Well, hey guys, and welcome to Ministry Hangouts with Pastor Greg, and as always, with some of Pastor Greg's friends in ministry. And uh, we're excited to have you here uh, this week. We've got a great uh, lineup of people who are just really uh, doing some incredible ministry in the area of recovery um, in the country. And hopefully today you're going to be inspired uh, to talk with your teens, to talk with your church, and just dream a little bit about what you could do to be involved in seeing people deal with their yesterdays and uh, move into their todays. And so um, we're excited about that. Hey, um, I want to turn it over to the namesake of this ministry hangout, which is Pastor Greg Surratt. Let him just kind of tell you what we do here a little bit. And then in just a moment, I will introduce our guest. Thanks, Sean. Hey, everybody. We're glad that you are along for the ride today on um, uh, ministry hangouts. I uh, have had fun meeting some of you. I know I was at uh, some ARC uh, exchanges in the last few weeks, and I've had several of you come up to me and who are church planters and said, hey, we listen to the Hangouts and, and really enjoy them. Well, I'm glad you do. And this will be one that I think will be important uh, for all of us. Uh, we're going to talk about what do we do with uh, people with hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And you say, oh, those people. Yeah, you and I are who those people are. We all have that. Uh, but some of us are uh, maybe uh, kind of further entrapped in some of our own issues, and uh, there's specialized ministry uh, that's available. So I'm excited uh, to talk about it with the guys that we have today. And uh, Sean, I'll kick it back to you and uh, let us know who's who's on today. Absolutely. Uh, so first we have Matt Kowalski. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? How are we doing? Glad to be here Good with on. you guys. Honored, blessed. Good deal. Well, Matt is a pastor of Care Ministries at Central Christian with Pastor Judd Wilhite, just doing a great job there of uh, leading through the Celebrate Recovery Ministries in, in Las Vegas. And so we're excited to learn from you. I personally heard a lot about um, just the, the recovery ministries at Central, so I, I'm excited for hearing uh, from you today. And then we have Pastor Chad Hunt. How are you doing, Chad? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Chad is the pastor at one of the most manly named churches in all of the world, Caveland uh, Church. You can't get any more manly than that. And uh, also is leading a great group of men and women through recovery as well as just leading a great church there uh, as the lead pastor at Caveland uh, Church in Cave City, Kentucky. And so um, uh, also has a uh, book out on addiction deliverance and a uh, new book coming out soon. And so we'll hear more about that from you um, as we go through. But so that's our, our lineup today. Pastor Greg, I'll throw it back to you so we can go through and see what we can learn from these guys. Great. Well, uh, excited about today. Let's learn a little bit about how we do uh, recovery uh, ministry. I guess probably my first question uh, would have to do uh, with uh, should every church have a recovery ministry? You know, a lot of pastors and church leaders will be listening to this session and kind of evaluating where where we are in our church on uh, recovery ministry. Um, uh, Matt, why don't you kind of tackle that first? Do you, do you think every church ought to have it? Um, what, what's kind of the the litmus test for that? Um, ultimately, I mean, you're asking me. I, it, that's a kind of a, a pretty loaded question, but I believe a lot of churches should be doing something. 
about uh, recovery issues and, and, and the ministries that are out there. Because ultimately, what are our churches going to do for the people who are in our congregations now, who are coming into our congregations, who are um, being saved, who are being brought to Christ, um, who are coming in with all these sorts of, uh, you know, these habits and these things that are kind of been holding them down. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but over 23 million Americans, you know, are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Uh, prescription pill use is on the rise. Uh, you know, of course, pornography, sex, uh, abuse, both physical, sexual, even emotional abuse um, is, is totally an epidemic for uh, women and men, boys as well. And so when you ask, sh should every church have a recovery ministry, um, I tend to lean towards, yeah, I, I believe we need to be doing something because those are the people that are in our churches, that are in our services, that are in our small groups, that are in our, um, just in our, in our demographics and within our cities. So I believe uh, depending on our resources and, and who we are and, and as a church, that we, we should be doing something to, to help these folks. You know, it's, it's not always just down and outers. You know, I mean, we've got all kinds of people. Some of us are down and out because of, you know, a financial reversal or, you know, marriage situation and turn to drugs and alcohol to, uh, you know, kind of medicate uh, what we're doing and, Obviously, the self-medication drives the habit even even uh, further in, or, or deeper and deeper into who we are. Uh, I know that uh, this past couple of weeks, uh, Jim Sonfeld, who is a drummer for Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, gave his testimony at the recovery ministry at our church. And you don't think of a guy like that, you know, you, you, uh, successful, you know, rock star or whatever. Uh, but there are all kinds of folks that deal with. Uh, that deal with uh, addiction issues, and what do we do, Matt let, or, or Chad? Let me let me just kind of throw it to you. you. Have anything that you would add to that? Should churches should should every church, most churches, some churches? Uh, I would say, from a lead pastor perspective, I would say yes and no. Uh, I think every church should, if if they don't have a recovery ministry, they should have at least uh, resources to point people towards. Uh, but I know that recovery is a very very especially when you start dealing with addicts, uh, recovery in the church is a very heavy ministry. And yeah. I mean, this is, and this is just my perspective of what I've discovered, especially in helping churches uh, to say that every church should have a specific recovery ministry would be no different than saying every church should have a specific Hispanic ministry mm -hmm. or a specific ministry to widow. Now we, we do reach and we have resources and we offer the gospel. Anyone can find the gospel at our church uh, but some of the things that I've experienced in helping churches, uh, training churches, especially in rural America, is not every church. I, I believe every church should be a place where addicts can find the gospel. But I'm not quite sure every church is wired to have a uh, detailed, specific recovery ministry in the church. And that's just an opinion. I'm not saying it's right. Uh, just because of the way God's wired the church. Some church. I have a church down the road for me, for an example, that, uh, it's a Baptist church, and they do a phenomenal job in reaching the Hispanics. Uh, when they get drug addicts, they point them to us. When we get Hispanics is looking for the gospel, we point them to them, and we just kind of resource. And uh, instead of trying to do every, it's kind of the Jim Collins deal. Instead of doing everything 
good. Discover what God's called you to do great and run with it uh, sure. would just be my opinion. So uh, I, I love that, that you know we recognize what is our specific contribution to the body of Christ and realize that we're not the only game in town and uh, we can uh, help people through what God's doing through other other ministries. Chad, tell me, how did you get how did you get involved in recovery ministry? Tell me a little bit about how it works in your church, but for you personally, uh, why did it become a passion? Because obviously it is. You're writing about it and uh, uh, touching people with it. But where did it start for you? Um, about 15 years ago, my son got addicted to methamphetamine, and it was horrific. And uh, so I, I just tried to figure out what to do, and uh, so I wrote, I'd never been to AA or NA or CR. I didn't know there were supposed to be 12 steps. I only wrote four. Uh, and it started out with four pieces of paper. It, honestly, four four pages like just like this. It's four pages. And it didn't help my son. Unfortunately, he's still incarcerated right now. Um, but we helped other people with it. And so kind of what happened was, in a, my church is in a town of 2,000 people. So we're like super small in our community. We're a large church for the town. And so what happened was this word got out that people were finding sobriety through what we were doing. It bled into the court system. So I get a phone call from a judge and he's like, what are you doing? We had lunch. In a small town, it's easy to be a celebrity because all you have to do is, you know, do something, anything significant and you're on the front page. And so as a result of that, other pastors started sending us people. Our church is only about 80 people at the time. And so I was all about that. I mean, you know, butts in seats was a good thing for a preacher. And so uh, eventually we went to about 120, then 200. And so I told the pastors that, you know what, I can't keep taking all your people. Let me just write down what I do and give it to you. So I began to write down what I did and handed it out. After about a year, it kind of looked like a book. So I put it in a manila envelope because I didn't know what else to do with it, sent it to Lifeway. And a guy named Dale McClaskey called me. And Dale called me and said, hey, let's have lunch in Nashville. So I went to Nashville. He said, what you're doing is unique. I think you need to rewrite it, polish it. Spent about a year and did that. And uh, honestly, just kind of accidentally wrote a book and a workbook and backed into all of it. Didn't even really mean to do it. Uh, so that's kind of my story. So do you guys, uh, you guys use the same uh, kind of formula or uh, process now that you did when you wrote you know, four pages down? Yes. Probably the biggest difference in what we do, because uh, CR is awesome. I've, I've worked with CR a lot. I love CR. Uh, the big difference... CR is, is Celebrate Recovery. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, comes out at Saddleback, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. And all the 12-step models are, are awesome. Uh, the, the difference in what we do is, is what we say is ADO is, is Addiction Deliverance Outreach. It's called the ADO. It's, it's better known in my area than AA or NA. Uh, but ADO is, is not something to substitute or take the place of, but it's really something to come alongside because what we do, the, the biggest difference, and this is what Del McClaskey said to me uh, 13 years ago. He said the difference in what you guys are doing is you're doing one-on-one -on -one mentoring discipleship. And so basically what I did is when I wrote the book, the, this is like the, what's called the counselor's manual or the, the mentor's manual. This book collaborates with the workbook. And the, it asks the same questions, except the book gives you conversational pieces, scripture. And so what we do is the book empowers the average layperson to become the mentor. 
And so we say to our church, our church is about 700 now, and so we say to our church, hey, if you want to be a part of life change, we'll give you the book. The, the client that lives in one of our recovery homes is going to have the workbook, and all we require of them is one hour a week. And one hour a week they sit down and they go through uh, each session. There's four steps. Each step has so many sessions, and they'll meet for one-on-one. -on -one. They don't always complete the sessions in one hour. Sometimes it takes three different meetings because it gets into some pretty heavy stuff. But really at best it's just gospel discipleship. And uh, and so that's kind of the difference in what we do uh, in terms of your, your uh, 12-step. I know when Leadership Network had me, <laughs> when they had me in Dallas a few years ago uh, with uh, Liz Swanson at the time was leading that, and when I walked into the room with everyone doing 12 steps and they said, what do you do? When I said four steps, they, were, they wanted to put me on a cross and put three nails in me uh, <laughs> because you can't do four steps. And so, <laughs> so it's been a struggle. But, you know, like I said, I've not really pushed it. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of happened. So, um, so I want to plumb this just a little bit. I want to kind of get, get a, my arms around what, what it is that you guys do. It sounds like that you're taking everyday church members who, what, have a passion for this, uh, who are leading a small group, or uh, who gets the, you know, who gets the, how do you recruit people to say, I'll be a, a mentor, or do you call it mentor, or, or what is it? Well, we call it, here we call it counselor because we can. Some of the places that I go train churches, you have to use mentor just for legal reasons. Counselor is kind of a a termed word that you can't use legally without a certificate or license to it. We do an assessment. We have big days on Sunday where we'll say, we'll show a life change video or whatever and say, hey, if you want to be a part of this, there's a lot of ways you can serve. And so we just have some sit downs with people, do assessments with them, see where they're at. And you know what we don't require, and this is kind of the this is kind of the difference in what a lot of people think, is we do not require people to have a past with drugs. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's important. And there's a lot of people that their past is now, it's their preacher in them, and that's awesome. But what, what I've discovered is drug addicts don't need to know about drugs. They can tell you how to make meth. What they need to know about is Jesus. Mm. And so we just want to find people that are passionate about the gospel, passionate about life change, and uh, they can just love people where they're at and just uh, just be Jesus to them. And so when we when we bring people in, uh, you know, we have everything from prayer partners to mentors or counselors. We have other people that lead home groups with them. Matter of fact, my home group, my personal home group, is with 15 men that's living in the recovery home right down the road from here. And I meet with them every Wednesday night, and we have a life group together. That's my home group. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, of course, once they get to a certain place in the program, they can go to if there's a such thing as a normal home group, they can get outside of the recovery home and go to a home group. Yeah, so that's kind of you know that's kind of what it looks like. So, do you guys like ever have a, a like a weekly large group meeting with these uh, guys, girls that are in recovery, or is it all uh, kind of one on one? Oh no, we have uh, every Tuesday night they have a, a Bible study. Every Wednesday night I do a life group with the men. Uh, every Friday night they have a recovery speaker meeting here at the church, and then they're required to come to church every Sunday. Okay. So you've got a lot going on. The um, How many people will you have in your recovery program at any one time? Right now we have 24. 24, okay. We have uh, two houses for men and one for women. So yours is, uh, yours is pretty in-depth, intense, where... 
you are taking people out of the regular flow of life relationship. They're living in a house for recovery. Is that the case on all of them? 98% of our people come straight from prison. Oh, hardcore. Good. Yeah. Yeah, now, what about, what about success rates? Do you measure that at all? Oh, yeah. Uh, right now, we're at 54% recovery rate. Okay. That's strong. Good. Okay. Let me let me uh, let me just unpack that just for a minute because that sounds okay. really high because the national average is three yeah. percent. Let me let me define fifty four fifty four percent. Out of a hundred percent that come through the ADO, fifty uh, out of a hundred percent, about twenty five percent will actually complete it. Out of the twenty five percent, fifty four percent stay sober, and that's that's just because we're extremely strict. We don't play games. <laughs> So that that sounds like a big number. Uh, it is in terms of who recovers, but okay. not everyone makes it through. Not everyone that walks in the door makes it. Okay. All right, Matt. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on uh, in in Vegas. You have plenty of opportunity for people to recover from stuff in Vegas. I would imagine, huh? Tell yeah. me how it works at uh, at uh, Central Christian. What's it look like? Well, ultimately, I get to oversee a Celebrate Recovery ministry, which Chad uh, kind of alluded to and referred to a couple times there. Um, and our program is out, yes, it's, it's kind of recognized nationally and, and worldly re recognized and in many churches. And it's been here at Central for almost eight years now. And um, it's to Celebrate Recovery. For those that don't know exactly what that is, it is based on a 12-step model, and the eight principles um, are incorporated into that, which come out of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And um, and basically, it's a 12-step program, ultimately what it is, with uh, with Christ as the foundation in the, in the center uh, of, of it. And um, that, that happens... And, and, and it's a different model. It's a, it's a different setup, so to speak. It's a different doorway to enter into Celebrate Recovery. We have uh, we generally have two meet-in times and two meet-in days on two separate days throughout the week. And, um, and, and one's a large group meet-in, which uh, is an open door for people to come into. And, uh, and, then, and, and that's for them to experience Celebrate Recovery and get connected and plugged in um, and for the gist of it, and then the other night is where they get kind of down in the weeds and in the pick and shovel work we call it into the step study groups, where they journey through these eight principles and the twelve steps and learn how to apply them into their lives, and uh, so that's kind of the program that I get to be a part of here at Central Christian Church and get to help lead and, and serve, um, and, and we've had it here and we've seen uh, tremendous things and, and tremendous life change through it mm -hmm. uh, the last eight years. So, so basically, you have two meetings a week, uh, a large group kind of celebration. And then um, the uh, uh, small group step meeting is that how how it is? Yeah, yeah. Basically, for us, the way it looks is on on Friday nights um, is kind of our large group time, and, and 
and and that's just going to be a, a, a I call it a big doorway because it's a, or an open door where people can just kind of come in and uh, what you'll experience there is yeah there's some worship there's there's a time of worship there's a there's a teaching on a recovery principle or a testimony of someone who's actually gone through our program um, and that's kind of our large group general meeting and and then after that we split off into issue specific and gender specific uh, um, small groups throughout okay. our building. So and how many how many people will be involved in your recovery ministry at any one time? Um, our, through our Friday night general large group, we were averaging about 330 folks coming through, and so um, it's a it's a big gathering. We're mm -hmm. We have a lot of momentum with it, so, um, you know, and then from that 330, there's about 205 was the last number that I've seen that are actually getting plugged into the small groups now that happen right after the large group, which um, a lot of those small groups are, are, are very mirror, you know, AA and NA and, and how those meetings are. Definitely some differences in the way they're structured and how they're run. And of course, it being Christ-centered, but very similar to uh, what folks would encounter there. Do you have any idea um, what kind of a success rate? Is that a fair question? Because I know we can go in and out of recovery, but do uh, you guys track any of that? Yeah, you know, um, we track the amount of people who are how we determine our success rate, if you want to call it that, is, uh, you know, we have three, three, it's, it's like a funnel. Our large group is our, is the top part of the funnel. Then the next step is getting plugged into those open shared small groups. And then the next step after that where we really want to get them is into our step study group, which meets on the, on another night of the week. Mm -hmm. And so how we measure our success is the number of people who are actually working the steps who have gained um, sobriety and recovery in their lives who are graduating these step study groups. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how, how did uh, did you get involved? What what drew you to this? How I got involved, well for me, you know, my my I, I had a history of, of of being out there just being wild and uh, you know, I I struggled with alcohol and um, experimented with drugs and, and, and sex and those kind of things. I was far from God. I mean, I was, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. You know, my mom was, was a drug addict herself and, and my dad wasn't around. And so I was just off and uh, I came to a point within my marriage and my relationship where we were kind of separated, you know, I was broken and, um, and where did I go? I got referred to the local church is ultimately where I got referred to. And um, that was one of the first times I actually walked into a church several years ago, and um, I found my recovery, and I found Christ ultimately through that, and through that journey, through my brokenness. And so, yes, God's now using that hurt, you know, that deep hurt of mine, and, 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 and the mess that he's pulled me out of to help minister to others and, and lead others. Now, how long have you been doing this at Central Christian? Um, I've been doing this as Central Christian for the last six years. So you've been now. you've been quite a while. You you were you in the church when they started the recovery ministry there? Um, actually, you know, ironically, when they started this recovery ministry, has been here uh, 
close to eight years now. I walked in through the doors here at Central uh, about seven to about seven years ago, and mm -hmm. so it was through this program where I was freed and and found that uh, sobriety and found Christ ultimately through this church through this program. And then of course you know my calling into ministry and everything followed that and and, right. and everything. That led me to where I'm at now, and, and been leading this ministry um, now in that opportunity. But yeah, so it was existing here at Central when I walked in through the doors for the first time. Good, excellent. So, so Chad, let me uh, or Sean, you have any questions or insights? You, you you're a church plant now. Um, do you deal with recovery ministry at all? What do you do when um, you have people that come through that uh, probably need this type of ministry. Sean, what do you do? You are muted right now, so you first Sorry. thing you do is unmute yourself. There you unmute go. Unmute yourself. There you go, so you can be heard. Yeah, I really uh, I resonated with what uh, both guys were saying. I think you've got to have something from the very beginning. I mean, when you open the doors of a new church and you offer hope, um, broken people are going to come in, and they're going to be broken to uh, various uh, different uh, extents. Um, we have not you know, we don't have what I would call an official, um, you know, recovery ministry, so to speak. We're not doing any of the, the programs. And what we are seeing uh, is that specific uh, community groups, um, you know, deal better with sometimes particularly broken people. And we know kind of who those community groups are, and they kind of disciple them, walk them through uh, that. I am seeing as we grow more and more uh, just – simple numbers that we're, we're going to have more opportunities and we're starting to think through now what does that look like um, and uh, even in our we offer what we call life which is living in freedom every day um, and, and even within that I think there are going to be people who uh, within that find that they need freedom at a different level uh, of addiction as they kind of find that life and that freedom uh, and so it's very intriguing to me uh, to kind of find that as well. Hey, I do want to say to the audience, um, if you have a question uh, for our guest, you can uh, just send a tweet if you uh, have one over to hashtag Ministry Hangouts. Um, any question you have, we'll make sure it gets asked uh, to the panel here, and we will discuss it. Or if it's a, even a discussion you just want to see had, um, that would be great. So uh, just throw that out there. If anybody's got any questions, you can uh, you can tweet them over even now. We probably need a maybe a virtual recovery group for pastors for the Sunday after Time Change Sunday. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, pastors tend to uh, live and die with numbers of people, and Time Change Sunday is uh, historically the smallest Sunday of the year, and so... I've had several pastors say to me, hey, did, were you guys impacted by that? And, of course, what I do as an encourager say it's the biggest Sunday we've ever had. We had the greatest greatest Sunday in the history of our ministry. And uh, so, anyway, people resign. <laughs> what about uh, yeah, Chad, let, let, me, let me ask you, um, let's talk about failures a little bit. What, what are some of the biggest failures you've made or maybe seen, because you work with other churches, uh, in uh, what have what did churches do wrong in in starting a recovery ministry? Well, I think uh, looking at our own personal experience, the only thing more addicting than drugs is recovery, and uh, you just have to be super careful when you start a recovery ministry because it is such a high level ministry. It's such, um, I mean, for example. 
if you have an awesome children's ministry, you can celebrate that from the stage. But when you when you celebrate someone that's been delivered from heroin and an entire family's, I mean, that's something to shout about. So a couple of things. One is you have to be careful that your recovery ministry doesn't suck the life out of all the, out of all the other ministries. Mm. Uh, you have to make sure that as a pastor that you keep uh, keep your hand in all of it. Celebrate all the wins. Recovery is a big, big deal. Uh, I mean, it's big, big wins, but so is everything else. So I'd say you have to be careful with that. And then the other thing that that we have to be careful with, that we struggled early on with, is a lot of people who come through recovery, the mistake that we made is we we kind of had the just the, the mentality that if you come through the ADO program, uh, chances are you're going to work in recovery. Well, really what that does, it just kind of boxes people in. Because God don't create, you know, he never created crackheads or meth addicts. He creates people. And hmm. the enemy sets us up to fall into these traps. And so what we say is, hey, just because you came through a recovery program doesn't mean you're called to work in recovery. You may be a preacher, a pastor, a planner. You may be an elder. Uh, so we're real careful not to keep people boxed in. And that's one thing that, uh, that's what I love about CR uh, is because CR kind of did the opposite of what AA did. With AA, it's, you know, once an addict, always an addict. I know CR uses the terminology struggle more. But what we say is, you know, what I say is uh, define addict, someone who abuses drugs. Well, if you're not abusing drugs, you're not an addict. You may have addictive tendencies, and you may have to get up every day and make a decision not to use. Well, we want you to discover your identity in Christ. Hmm. So some of the mistakes that we made early on was – one, the ministry being very successful that, that sucked the life out of other ministries. And then secondly, those who went through it kind of boxing them in to be in recovery their entire life. And mm. a lot of times what happens is you miss their giftedness that God had uh, placed in them from the beginning of time to do something significant for the kingdom. So you, um, you probably wouldn't have people say, hello, my name's Greg and I'm an addict? No. No, okay. we do not. No. Because you, you want to define who you are by who you are in Christ. Well, you know, I think about just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the only reason that Nebuchadnezzar changed their name was to get them to lose their identity and their God name, their Hebrew name. And I think the same is true. Once, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so when a person continually thinks, I'm an addict, what that's really saying to a lot of these guys is, because I'm an addict, somewhere down the road, if I relapse, it's because it's who I am. Well, if, I, if I convince myself to always be an addict, what I'm really saying is if I relapse, I kind of have an excuse because it's, it's who I am. Well, it's not who you are. We all have vices. We all have tendencies. And the way I, you know, one of the big things when, I, when the book got published is there was some discussion about should you change the name addiction deliverance outreach because deliverance is kind of a charismatic word. It, it kind of denotes slap them in the forehead and their addictions are gone. Uh, but the way I define deliverance is kind of what Jesus said. You know, if you're going to follow him, you got to pick up your cross and follow him daily. And basically what that means for a, a drug addict is you got to get up every day, take your addictive tendencies, nail it to the cross, and go on doing what God called you to do. And you got to do that every day. Hmm. Some people get delivered or over it. Most don't. You just got to, you know, it's a day-to-day -day decision not to use drugs. But I think when a person thinks of themselves constantly as a drug addict, I just really think it boxes them in and, and they miss the destiny that God has for them because I don't think God creates drug addicts. Just hmm. my opinion. Yeah, you've got, a, you've got an opinion there. I like it. Matt, hey, how, how would you weigh in on that? Uh, similar feel, not um, as far as uh, do, you find, do you define people by their addiction? 
or encourage them to, or, or how is it with your your situation? Um, no, we don't, and we don't definitely uh, define people by their addiction or their habit or their hurt or whatever it is they're struggling with. We're very, very. Uh, we believe very much that their identity, as Chad just unpacked, is in Christ. And um, and yes, we do introduce ourselves in our meetings, but how we start with our introduction is not. Not, hey, you know, I'm Matt, my name's Matt, and um, I'm, I'm an addict. We introduce ourselves, my name's Matt, and I'm a grateful believer in Christ. Mm. And you know what? This is just what I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with, you know, anger or, or, or drugs or whatever it is. This is what I'm kind of here for and I'm dealing with right now. And uh, the reason why we do that with stating that belief first is because we want people to understand that their identity is in Christ, that I am a child of Christ. I am a child of God and, and my identity is rooted in Christ. It's not in the things that I do or the behaviors that I've done or the past choices and horrible decisions that I've made. It's no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a follower. I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a child of the true King. And, um, and so Chad can have said it better that we definitely believe that. And, and I would agree with him just to spin off that. I see that ultimately too, as people get so caught up and in, in, in thinking like it's, it's 24 seven recovery. You know, they, they may even get victory and, and, and be on that momentum and, and on a roll of, of getting sobriety for however long or even years. And, and but they're stuck in, in this recovery mindset. Not that that's necessarily bad in the sense that they're using it for a purpose and, 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 and serving. However, we want to try to move people. We want to move people to find that a purpose for the kingdom ultimately. And that can be in a ministry, whether it could be serving in recovery and helping addicts be set free or helping others hurts be set free, but it could be um, serving in a different area uh, within the church, within the kingdom of God. It could be anything, but we want to help plug people into that. And, um, so a, a pitfall that I've seen just to spin off that is people kind of getting, I, I don't know if you call it stuck, but just kind of in that box and, and it's comfortable for them. I think is kind of what happens in a lot of senses. And so, uh, my goal is always to try to help men, women to find their purpose and how God made them and uh, what, what he wants to do with them for, to further the kingdom, ultimately. So I, uh, I just want to make a, a, a statement that I don't think we're bashing 12-step programs. You know, I mean, uh, I know some wonderful people who have gone to AA and... Uh, had incredible progress in dealing with their addiction. And so um, we're talking about uh, how we do it in these particular churches. And I, I personally, I like the fact that we, we don't identify ourselves other than uh, what Jesus has done with us. And maybe it's just semantic, you know, maybe, you know, if you, if you say, I'm Greg and I'm, a, I'm a, a child of the King or I'm a follower of Christ, who struggles with X, uh, you know that you, you may see that as a semantic uh, deal rather than I'm Greg and I'm you know I'm an addict. Um, but I, I think it's important that we identify ourselves uh, not by what we struggle or uh, how good we are or whatever it happens to be that we are you know a, a child of God. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, don't want to I don't want to bash good things that are going on 
uh, in AA programs. How do you guys celebrate wins? Um, what do you What do you do to celebrate a win, um, so that the whole church knows, or do you even care if the whole church knows, or uh, how do you celebrate wins? Uh, Matt, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, what do you guys do to celebrate wins? Um, well, you know, we do a lot of a lot of different things. One of the big things that sticks out to me as you answer that question is, um, you know, we we give out sobriety chips mm -hmm. and uh, you know coins and chips, and they just have different lengths of time, periods of time. It could be anywhere from you know that that newcomer chip, which is the one day, thirty days, all the way to a year, ten years, whatever it is, just periodically and uh, once a month. On the last Friday of the month, we have something called a chip mm -hmm. night, and uh, it's really turned into a great um, time where mm -hmm. people invite, you know, not only their friends, their family, their just people that they know mm -hmm. to come and celebrate with them that, hey, they're walking up and they're taking a chip for 30 days, for for one month or for that one year, and it is a celebration. Like, we do it up. It's not just, hey, you know, we're going to kind of clap for you. I mean, we have – I mean, there's 330 people there celebrating this as they're coming mm. forward to take these chips while people are up front. And um, it, it, it's, it's huge. It's a big win, um, and people love it. It is actually on these nights is the, our most attended night. We could see uh, more than you know our average, and and because people just love it so much because it has that celebration. Like this is what God's doing here through this ministry in real life time. Mm -hmm. um, marriages are being restored, families, and and all these kind of things that are happening. So that that's our big way we celebrate wins. We do it in other avenues, but that's our big way with it. You do within, that. You uh, you do that once a month with that particular thing, right? Yes, once a month. It's always the last fr for us. It's the last right. Friday. We call it our chip night, and everybody knows. And our, even our staff here at the church, you know, knows like, oh, chip night, and 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 a buzz and a word of mouth is around about about what this thing is and, and how so awesome it is. Let me ask you a question. You did you go through this? Did you uh, pick up chips and? have a chip night and all of that kind of thing personally? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, um, I definitely did experience that route. Um, of, of how did it make you feel? How, how does it feel? Why is a chip important? Uh, how, how did it make you feel? You know, I think, I think it's huge because it's, 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 a, it's a token. It's a reminder of, of like, hey, I'm on this journey. And, and you know when you pull these these coins out or these chips because we because the first year they're they're chips they're like mm -hmm. almost like poker chips they're plastic but then after a year they're real bronze coins and you can look, look at these things and, and the feeling that you get that like I did this mm -hmm. um, you know I, I accomplished this that I would have never thought I could have quit doing X for 30 days you know. Um, let, I never thought I could stop doing X for one week. Now I got 30 days, and, and it's a momentum builder, and it's a reminder. I mean, people are hanging these on their keychain, and their car, they're keeping it on their desks at work, wherever it is, be, uh, because it's just it's that token, it's that reminder um, that they're on this journey, and, and through through Christ, um, He's He's leading them through this, and I think it helps people continue down that path and keep that momentum going. Okay, Chad, how do you guys celebrate wins? We have really three ways. Um, 
one way is we have in our, our gospel assimilation funnel, we have what we call BC entry points. That's before Christ entry points because a lot of these guys don't know Christ. Most of them don't. So we have ways that when they come into recovery homes, we have places in the church they can serve. Just regardless of their belief, their sexual orientation, doesn't matter. There's places they can serve. And we have in those relationships disciple-making uh, relationships where that those who lead those those areas, they know their secondary job is to train them to serve. Their primary job is to make them a disciple of Jesus. So when we win a when we win someone to Christ, there that's a that's a big win. We also have uh, the guys and gals that come to the program. If they get a GED, uh, we actually have a graduation service for them on Sunday because they never got to graduate. We make mm -hmm. a big stinking deal out of that. And then lastly, the big thing we do, and we and we only do this once per quarter. Uh, and again, we only do it once per quarter, so we don't want it sucking the life out of everything, uh, is once per quarter we have what's called an ADL graduation. And we actually incorporate that with all of our morning Sunday services uh, every quarter. Matter of fact, we have one this March, uh, this month on March 30th, 30th, 30th yeah. And uh, on March 30th what will happen is we'll have 11 people on the stage, and these 11 people stand before both services, and uh, their mentor will tell a little bit about them. What they, a few of them will speak and share a few things. And then we present them with a certificate of graduation. Uh, after, we com uh, after we present them with a certificate of graduation, then we charge them before the whole church. And basically what we say is we charge you uh, before God's people, before God himself, to live a life that is pleasing to God, to discover your purpose, your destiny in the kingdom, and this real cool thing. And then after that, uh, we lay out, we pray for them. We have the whole church stretch their hands for them. We pray for them. We celebrate them. And when they leave the stage, it is a freaking party because mm. it's high fives. It's crying. It's awesome. And typically what happens is when you reach the attic, you reach the addict's family. So we have what's called the Cornelius miracle. So the addict comes, his family comes to support him. They, everyone gets saved. And so it's just, it's crazy, man. It's like a, it's like a Christmas parade in the summer. Uh, it's <laughs> awesome. It. It's awesome. I love it. Now, do you guys use the chips or anything like that to celebrate small markers? No, we don't. And I love what Matt said. I think I think it's awesome. Uh, we don't do that. Uh, what we do uh, instead of instead of giving them chips, if anytime someone makes an accomplishment, we, uh, we have a couple of things. One, and this may and this is probably the difference in having recovery homes, I guess. But mm -hmm. in the recovery homes, once they make once they get to a, a certain progression in the program, they get more liberty, more freedoms. Uh, matter of fact, one of the homes that we have is only for people that are a certain place in the program, and they, they're kind of like in, in the jail system, what they call trustee. Mm -hmm. They kind of out, look over the new guys coming in. Their home they live in is much, much nicer. Uh, it's, it's just a few people who live there. So we, we reward their, their sobriety. Uh, with with more liberty. Now, part of that is because all the people that are sent to us are actually sentenced to us by a court of law, hmm. and, and that's what that's what really changes our recovery rate. Because it's either you know they say okay you can stay in prison or you can go to this recovery home. Well, any anyone that has three brain cells is going to say I want to go to the recovery home, and so you know all these people they come out. So we have to have those things in place. Uh, and we ha and their incentive has to be freedom. They're just used to being incarcerated. Okay, so, so that, you're you're rewarding with a little bit more freedom. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, you because of what you have, 
you have some pretty strict standards. Um, tell us about those and, and kind of why they're in place. Well, our st uh, first of all, our, I, I no longer work with the ADO as far as involvement other than my home group. Mm -hmm. We haven't, the, 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 uh, the ADO ministry is, is governed by the ADO board. We have a board of directors that actually govern that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so they're the ones that hold what we call the house administrators. We have one for the men, obviously a male, and one for the women. And they, they hold those people accountable. Uh, they have monthly meetings, accountability in all places. But as far as the guys go and the gals that live there, uh, all properties are under 24-hour surveillance that uh, the house administrators, as they have a laptop and internet, they can view what's going on in the homes at any given time. Uh, we have curfews. We have lights out. Everyone has to have a job. Uh, in recovery, we don't want them just to – a lot of the times sobriety can become your God, and so we don't want sobriety to become their God. We want Jesus to become their God. And with Jesus, we want them to learn that, hey, it's you know, being sober is awesome, but guess what? That's what you were meant to do anyway. So we want you to learn how to hold a job. We want you to learn how to manage money. We want you to get your GED. So when these guys come in, part of their restriction or part of their, their guidelines are they have to work. They have to manage money. They have to take budgeting classes. If they're a parent, they have to take parenting classes. Uh, if there were issues there, they have to recover broken relationships. Uh, so we have a, just a lot of guidelines in place, which is why that you know about 25% actually make it through it. Mm -hmm. It's because a lot of them don't want to go down that road. They don't want to be held to the fire. But when they come into the program, they've been laying in jail for you know six years or six months, and we say, you know what, you got to get a job. You can flip McDonald's hamburgers, or you can go to jail and eat whatever they feed you there. And they just don't want to go to work. So we do force them to work. And I tell you, these guys, when they do go to work and they hold a job, we celebrate that. I mean, okay. there's a lot of times from the stage I'll say, and these guys, I mean, they're just, you know, they're 10 guys among 500 adults or whatever. I'll say on a Sunday morning, hey, I just want to give God praise. My buddy Tim just got a job this week. You don't know who Tim is, but I do. Let's give God praise. Hmm. You know, so we want, we want the church to be a safe place. They can be themselves. We don't try to hide them out. Now, do, see, uh, these do, strict guidelines are just really to help them. Do average church members are are have you had some pushback on? Hey, you know we've got uh, people directly out of jail uh, in our church. You know, we, politically correct, we all ought to be excited about that. But to be real, there are going to be people that are going to be a little threatened by that. How, how have you dealt with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. When I first started the ADO, I had a founding member come in my office and said, I'm not comfortable with my daughter going to church with drug addicts. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, she goes to school with them. What's the difference? And he said, well, I'm just not comfortable with it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you, this has been years ago. I said, if you, if you can find a place in the Bible where the church isn't supposed to reach people that are broken and messy, then I will relent and I will stop. But if not, and he ended up leaving the church. And so, yeah, we, we got a lot of pushback on the front end. Uh, but over the years, we have celebrated the win so much. A in our church, ADO is such a common language. Uh, we have 23 churches just in my area that uses the ADO program. And uh, 23 other churches not even affiliated with us. And so in our church, it's that's one reason when I go in and help churches learn how to do recovery, the first thing I tell the pastor is the first thing we have to do is cast vision. And I need to preach at your church on a Sunday and let them know not so much what you're wanting to do, but why you need to do it. And that's why I said earlier that I don't believe every church 
is wired to be a recovery church because the one thing about a drug, you can't con a con. And if you try this fake religious love junk, they know it. And so you've got to have a church full of people that are serious about the gospel, serious about life change. Uh, and if you don't have that, there I don't care what the church is. A recovery ministry can't thrive if Sunday morning is not a place that unchurched, addicted people can't put up. Do you ever have to? There's a question that came in uh, from Twitter. Uh, do you ever have to ask people to leave or exercise church discipline? Have you had to do that? People in terms of the addict or the parishioner. You know, um, let, let's say both. Okay. I, I don't know exactly what that was. Yeah, probably, I, I've okay. had people to say, uh, you know, part of what we do is when new people come to our church. Uh, I mean, we have entrepreneurs here. We have billionaires that come to our church, and then and they're worshiping God next to a welfare mother who has a husband in the recovery home, which is awesome. That's a win. Uh, but we have, I have had people come to me that says, you know, why, uh, why, why do you have uh, this recovery ministry? Is it dangerous? And we just tell them our playbook. And I just say, listen, if you can't play by this playbook, let me help you find another church. And I do, and we've done that before. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we just want to reach messy, broken people. And by the way, that's me. And uh, as far as the as far as the client goes, that you know those that come into the program, we do have to what we call dismissals. We do have to dismiss. But here's the cool thing, and this is the God's honest truth. We've been doing this for 14 years, and in 14 years, and we've had to dismiss a lot of people, which means they go back to jail. We have never ever one time had one violent encounter with a man or woman that had to go back to jail simply because we love them with grace and mercy. I have a whole lot more problem out of church people than I do crackheads. <laughs> Give me crackheads any day to a religious Some, Somebody needs to tweet that. I have a whole lot more problem out of church people than I do crackheads. I like that. That's I tell you, drug addicts are more respectful to the house of God and, and God's people and Scripture. I mean, these guys come in. To them, the building is still the church, and you know they've they've been they they have they have a preconceived idea that they're going to be rejected anyway. Yeah. And so when well, they come it, in, their love down, it's crazy. They, it's but doesn't it doesn't the Bible say something about when you're forgiven much? The same love as much, absolutely. Yeah, that you you're much more grateful for it. Uh, good. I, I tell you what, we're almost mm -hmm. run out of time, and so what what I want to do, I want to make sure that we get this uh, this question because at the very beginning. Uh, we said maybe not every church is ready for a recovery ministry, but you need to have resources. Or maybe you are in a recovery ministry and um, and you need good resources. So give me, what's some good resources for churches starting out in a recovery ministry? Or maybe you've been in a while. Uh, Matt, let's start with you. What, what, where would you point people? Well, ultimately, um, you know, I'll start with Celebrate Recovery. You know, CelebrateRecovery.com, you can go right there, and there's going to be a listing of, uh, of what the program's about, how to get one started, who to plug into, who to contact, where to get the materials, um, and just kind of lay out the whole uh, I, the whole deal of what the program is about. That's where I'd really start with um, any church that was possibly thinking about starting a ministry because it, it really works. It's uh, it's an it's an awesome program. We don't it, it's a it's a program that is built to and, and that's another thing that I love about Celebrate Recovery too is it's not just for drugs and alcohol. It is reaching a mass uh, a population of people who are struggling with hurts 
or habits or hang-ups. And so, you know, we have 12 groups that are meeting on Friday nights, as I explained earlier. Two of those groups are specified to drugs and alcohol. So the other 10 groups are things for sexual, pornography issues, anger, codependency, abuse, food, and the list goes on and on. So that's why I love Celebrate Recovery as well is because it, it addresses, it gets, and that's really ultimately what we're trying to do is get into the root and the heart of the issue uh, because the behaviors that we're exhibiting or that a lot of the addicts are exhibiting are just symptoms of the underlying core issues uh, that they're just burying and suppressing. So Celebrate Recovery, I think, is an excellent resource, and they'll even find some other resources there too, you know, as far as maybe some other books and, and things like that that they can help point people to. But as far as starting the ministry, I would that that's where I point people all day long is celebrate recovery because I know it works. I believe in it. Okay, Chad, how about you? What um, what kind of resources uh, should we be looking at? Well, I agree with Matt. I think CR is a great great program, especially when you're wanting to hit the broad thing. Now, with ADO, with with my book, the Addiction Deliverance Outreach, what it comes with a workbook as well. Uh, it's it's specifically targeted toward drugs and alcohol. It, it it's mm -hmm. that's the difference in CR. We we it does not target pornography. Although the principles are the same, uh, we just I just believe that when you're dealing with drugs and alcohol, you have to be pretty intentional, and you can't put codependency in the same box with heroin addiction. Uh, mm -hmm. Now you can the way CR is set up. You have your groups, and that's awesome. So if you're looking to be the the shotgun, CR is awesome. It's great. Uh, if you're looking just to be in, intentional about drugs and alcohol only, ADO is a great place to start. Um, the other, the other thing too is you don't have to have recovery homes uh, to help people. We started with what we call non-residential, and that was just we just said, hey, if you have family in the church, uh, we have people here that has a book. We'll give your family member a workbook. They can come in one hour a week and just meet together and just start super small. I tell churches all the time, you don't have to start with a group of 300. Start mm -hmm. with one person. Uh, even in CR, you don't have to start with a, a you know an a open mic night of 300 people. Start mm -hmm. with one group. I mean, the greatest disciple on the planet started with 12. So I'm pretty sure that if he did whatever, if we can start with 12 people, however we we run it, you know, God's gonna he's gonna bless it. Because I think I think if we'll reach the people that no one else wants, God will send us the people everyone wants. I just believe that. That's good. So where where can we get your book? Uh, you can get it on Barnes and anywhere online, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Amazon, uh, okay. Yeah, just Google addiction deliverance outreach. Okay. Uh, don't Google my name because there's a porn star that has my name, and you'll be you'll blush. So don't do that. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can Google addiction deliverance outreach. It's there. You can go to our website, cavelandchurch.com. There's a lot of information there. Also, let me just say quickly. Uh, Anyone that wants to use ADO, we have every form. I mean, and we have to be very meticulous because we work with probation, parole, the courts. We have every form, every document that is editable, and we send that to anyone for free. So anyway, we can help any church that's wanting to start, whether it's coaching or whatever. We have tons of free resources that we'll send you for nothing. Just let us know how we can help, and I can hook you up with someone here on staff. All right, sounds great. Well, thanks, guys. This has been uh... – this has been great. It really has uh, for me just to kind of listen and, uh, and learn and uh, some good ideas all the way around. So we appreciate you being on. And uh, Sean, you want to tell us a little bit about what's happening next? 
Absolutely. Great, great session this time. Great hangout. And remember, it is archived. Uh, so spread the word for us if you're watching now. If you're watching in the archive, it's great to spread the word and send people to the other, uh, you know, lots of uh, hangouts there that you can uh, use in your church staffs at ministryhangouts.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just uh, punch in Ministry Hangouts or Greg Surratt, and that will come up, and you can subscribe to get this on a MP3 audio version every month. It will just come right to your iTunes, and you'll be set for listening to this with no pain attached. And so uh, next month, April 9th, uh, we will have a hangout, and it is going to be on diversity in the church. Really excited. We're going to have Scott Williams, uh, Pastor Herbert Cooper, Pastor Jimmy Rollins, um, and we are going to talk about what does a diverse church look like and why do we need to care. And so we're, we're really looking forward to uh, spending some time with them in April. So uh, mark your calendars, save the date, or join us on the archives afterwards. So uh, thank you on behalf of uh, Pastor Greg, and uh, thank you for joining us on Ministry Hangouts with Pastor Greg, and we'll see you next month.